Hey guys, it's Ed, and I'm coming to you live from the Temporary Drunk Gossip Studios here in Detroit. And this is just the wildest, wildest, wildest rumor in a long time. However, it's only wild if you don't read the gossip blogs. Here's why. Lindsay Lohan has allegedly been romantically paired with the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. And so the way it goes is that he's been flying her around um, in his private jet, gave her a credit card, and, you know, all those kind of things. And the news is really just rocking um, the mainstream media right now. However, if you've been reading Crazy Days and Nights, you would have known that Lindsay Lohan uh, uh, partly moved to Dubai because she was yachting, which is another term for selling her body for money. And Middle Eastern guys really just love her Uh, there's no reason why they do at least none that any are willing to admit out loud um according to NT Lawyer over at Crazy Days and Nights it's because she'll let them defecate on her and do all sorts of demeaning things um but in order in order to kind of contain this story, her reps are trying to push another narrative. Basically just saying, hey, she's not dating him, but even if she was, MBS at one point was heralded as bringing a new modern sensibility to Saudi Arabia. And... You know, you know, um, women, uh, women's issues and things like that. Um, so, even if they were friends or they didn't know one another, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is, after journalist, and I'm not going to say his name right, unfortunately, Jamal Khashoggi was murdered. There's been a huge uproar. Intentions have been a little bit high. Which is probably the understatement of the year for me. Um, Between basically the entire world and the, the royals of Saudi Arabia. The exception, of course, is Donald Trump, who, ironically, Lindsay Lohan supports. Now... There's no, there's no saying, you know, this is for sure, you know, um, a, a real thing or a real romance, but they kind of, either they started this rumor themselves and then they're trying to contain it once they realize, oh fuck, we screwed up, or 
Um, there's, or there's something more to it. Um, and I think there might be something more to it, and I'm going to explain what I think it is in a minute. Um, because one quote-unquote insider said, they go crazy for her out there. Um, and they went on to say that it's not unusual for Lindsay to be courted by um, Saudi Arabian dignitaries, or Middle Eastern dignitaries. So, if... If they're not dating, and her people actually just put out this story, what's going on? Well, it could be a way for her to advertise her services, and if the crown prince is after her, it could get other people, other men, to start chasing her. And from there... It's just going to spiral out of the control. Um, And yes, this actually really did inspire... um, This really did inspire um, at least a a short story, but in my head it's kind of coming together more as a novel, but we'll talk about that later. For right now, I'm going to go and take a break, and I'll be right back. And I'm back. And... We were, we've been talking about Constance Wu and how she's really developed a reputation for not being such a nice or great person. And, you know, some people are saying, have said, oh, you know, she says what she wants and that doesn't make her a diva or a bitch or anything. And they're absolutely correct. That's not what makes her any of those things. What makes her those things is the is the true belief that her feelings and her wants and needs outweigh everyone else's. Uh, you know, we talked about how she demanded top billing for um, Hustlers, the new movie she's doing with Jennifer Lopez. And Cardi B, and um, she really felt like she deserved it, that she was the biggest star. I'm sorry, no matter how you feel about JLo, and me personally, I'm not a huge fan, you. you have to admit. JLo has been a star for a very long time. And has starred in some big movies. There's no way Constance Wu is bigger than Jennifer Lopez. There's just no possible way. Maybe down the road she will be, but not right now. And then, of course, there's the epic tantrum that she threw... Um, back in May when Fresh Off the Boat was renewed for season six. Now, and I said this back then, and I, I do stand by it. 
as an artist, you do want to stretch your wings. You, you know, I get all that. But I also believe that you don't say that shit out loud. I don't think that you fly in the face of your coworkers. You don't. You just don't do things like that. First of all, it would be for a very awkward um, first day at work or first day back to work when they're all giving you the side eye. But one person who won't be giving her the side eye is Carrie Burke, the new ABC Entertainment president. Carrie says, hey, I appreciate she apologized and you know, fuck it, we're just going to move on. And I think it's because at the end of the day, Carrie knows that Fresh Off the Boat's probably not going to last another season. Or if it does, it's it's only going to last out of spite towards Constance Wu. Um, let me read Carrie's statement real fast. She said, um, I was happy she apologized. I've had no further conversations with Constance. I will see her at the table read. We have ongoing conversations with the producers, and it was made clear to us very early on that everyone took Constance at her word that she was apologetic. So, okay, everyone's taking her at her word. But no one's really getting to the root of it. You know, and there there have been rumors floating around that she told producers that she was not going to be showing up for table reads. So I think that's going to be very interesting if she doesn't show up, um, how that's handled. Because that, that's part of your job. You know, I don't get to tell my boss, hey... I'm not going to put punctuation in, uh, in in my post. I'm just going to leave it as is. But they would think I lost my damn mind. Or they would decide to say it's another typical day with Ed. But <laughs> in either case, in either case, you kind of get my point. Um, but you know, the whole Constance Wu thing, um, obviously it's died down a little bit, um, but I would honestly look for quite a few more blind items about her bad behavior because I don't think she knows how to behave, honestly, but I do know how to take a break and be right back. And I'm back. So, with BH Nanosuno debuting tomorrow, um, the cast is out doing promotions. And the face of the reboot, or the faces of the reboot, are Tori Spelling and Ginny Garth. Um, it, and it's almost, honestly, it's almost just like the original. Um, 
I think the, the biggest difference here is um, they're not playing their characters. They're playing heightened versions of themselves. Almost like um, they're trying to get a reality show. But um, so the, if you don't know the premise of Beauty Channel, it's um, the old cast getting back together to try to get a re- reboot or a revival of Nanofuno going. Now, of course, there was already a reboot that happened on the CW when it ran for five seasons before ultimately being canceled. Um, It just really couldn't live up to its predecessor in terms of popularity. But then I think that's the the truth with most reboots. Um, So, in any case, Jenny Garth and Tori Spelling are out doing promotions. And part of the um part of them doing this is um they did the Jenny Gart show over on Sirius. And this is where Tori Spelling started pitching herself as a real housewife of Beverly Hills. Now, just a little side tour here real fast. For those of you who don't know, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills has been really run over um, with, I don't want to say failed actresses, but actresses who maybe are not that good at their job. Um... Lisa Renner was started the trend of bad actresses joining the show. Um, she was, for a time, joined by an, someone who actually really is a good actress, Eileen Davidson. And then, of course, Tori Spell... Uh, not Tori Spelling, I'm sorry. Um, of course, Denise Richards, this season, joined... And, um, for those of you who don't know, the big storyline this year was all about, uh, uh, Lisa Vanderpump becoming mortal enemy number one. Like, everyone was mad at her, which ultimately led her to not being shown in, in a lot of the season, per our... Real Housewives expert Dave. And uh, not only was she not shown, but she didn't show up to the reunion, which has ignited rumors of a feud with Andy Cohen. So. um, Back over to Tori, what does all this mean? Legitimately, there is a spot open. And while she's probably tied to any future seasons of BH902, 
since it's a summer show, um, and it seems like there's only going to be a limited run each time, I think that there's going to be, um, I, I think you can definitely, um, make a case for her being able to do both. And she really needs the money. Despite being an heiress, she broke. Um, she owes American Express money. She owes the IRS money. Uh, at one point, I believe she was way behind on her mortgage and eviction was imminent. So, yes, she really does need the money. Um, but she says producers never asked her to join the show. Despite her pitching herself and really trying to get on. To which Jenny Garth told her. They asked me. Um, but Jenny Garth turned it down because she is. Quote. The furthest thing from a desperate housewife. Um, and then Tori said that it made her really sad that she was never asked. Um, honestly, the reason why I think she was never asked is because she's not that interesting. Unless she's going to show, um, how the affairs that Dean McDermott has had has affected her and really bring the drama. Um... There's no reason for for them to bring her on board. That might sound shitty, but it's the God's honest truth at this point. Um, you know, it's just... It, it's honestly just one of those things. Like... I, I wish it were different, but, but it's not. Um, and I'm, frankly, I don't think anyone wants to see Tori Spelling acting like Tori Spelling. If we wanted that, we would just watch PH9 tomorrow, Fox, 8 o'clock, I believe. I'm going to go before I become a complete shill for them and come right back. And I'm back. <clears throat> just so you guys know, there was actually a really strong debate within me. Um, there's been, there's a blind item I've been meaning to do. It's really long, so I was going to make an episode out of it. Um, just like we did with, um, the him blinds and whatnot. Um, and it's, I believe it's all about Jeffrey Epstein and Leslie Wexler. Uh, and it, it kind of came to the forefront yesterday, um, with an article from Business Weekly, but I decided to at least temporarily put it on hold. Um, because it didn't fit within the context of the episode and whatnot. So, a look for that to come at some point in the near future. Probably the very near future. Um, um, so, so we're going to talk some writing. 
And I, you know, of course I've talking about, I've talked about writing short stories, um, and whatnot before. Um, but I don't think I've ever really explained why I write short stories. Uh, so, okay, of, of course I write full-length books, um, in nove- novellas, books, um, None, none of my books have ever gone really past 75,000 words. That's my choice. Um, and, I'll, and I'll get into the reasoning behind that choice in a little bit. But, uh, you know, you guys know I think Will is brilliant. Um, he has written a phenomenal book. Uh, in... Right now, he's just doing revisions, and I'm praying to God that just like I've done in the past, I can help him get a publishing a publishing contract, because this is a story that deserves to be told. Um, it's so good. But he... He has a problem writing shorts, short stories, at least that's what he's told me in the past. Um, he's obviously up for the the challenge because we're going to be working on some anthologies together. <coughs> Would not be an episode without me coughing. Um, so the other day I was at the bookstore and I noticed, I mean, of course... Uh, Stephen King is infamous for alternating between um, long books and short stories. Um, And that's kind of the career path I'm going to take. We're going to talk more about Stephen King in a minute, though. But I noticed that James Patterson, there, there was a really cool book, and I looked at it, and I... The back of it had, like, separated the stories out, but at first it didn't dawn on me that's what they were doing because James Patterson is not someone I would have ever thought was going to um, do this. It's a brilliant idea. Um, What he did is he took three novellas, which are usually between um, ten, ten and... 40-ish thousand words. So you took three of those and put them all together. Um, and, you know, honestly, I was pleasantly surprised. I think it's, it's a great idea, and I think people really like things like that. Um, Adam Bennett and... Oh, I forgot his name. But the people from Zombie... Zombie Pirate Publishing did a science science fiction double feature where each of the owners wrote um, a, a, a novella or a novelette or whatever you want to call it and put them together. Um, so this is not a new idea or anything like that. And I, uh, really, truly, I do think it's brilliant. Um, so, 
I, I've talked about this before, and I'll talk about it again. I, I'm, I'm putting together um, a book of short fantasy stories. Now, these are not... These are not um, stories or anything that I think are bad or, you know, there's no reason why I'm not selling them other than they use the same main characters. And, um, you know, just in my head, it was like, hey, like, these are, um, these are really fun and crazy stories. I could probably write five or five or more of these, put them all together, and um, package them as a book. And so that's what I'm doing. Um, so I don't know when those will be done, honestly. Um, but I'm working on them. I'm also working on Crazy Rich Homos. I I have some edits to do. I have to finish Crazy Rich Weddings. Um, but I'm I'm genuinely excited for all of this. Um, just because it's so much fun. Um, so the Stephen King of it all. As I said, I greatly admire Stephen King. I may not be a huge fan of his newer work, but the man is a brilliant writer, and clearly he has done something right because he is continuously on the bestseller list. He sneezes, and it goes to number one on the New York Times bestseller list, so... Um, and one of the things I learned about him was that he was a short story writer. He he wrote for, like, Playboy and other magazines like that. And Carrie was actually a short, um, a short-ish story that he was going to send out um, to a publisher, but he got so frustrated he crumpled it up and threw it away. And Tabitha, his wife, pulled it out and said, hey... This is a decent story. Let's just work on some revisions. Uh, those revisions were basically he didn't know how to write for females, which we'll talk about character creation later. But, um, for right now, um, I just want to focus on him writing short stories. And he really enjoyed writing short stories. That's why he continues to publish um, short story books to this day. Um, and he, he, like me, like still branch outside of his genre. He's known as a horror slash thriller writer. Um, but he, obviously he went into nonfiction with on writing. Um... He has, at one point, he had a column with Entertainment Weekly, which, my God, I'm jealous. 
I want to call him with Entertainment Weekly. <laughs> confessions of an indie author. Or Confessions of a Pop Culture Junkie. Actually, that's not a bad... <laughs> that's not a bad name for a column. I should put one together. <laughs> Anyways. So, why do I write short stories? And why does Stephen King, for that matter? There, There's actually truly a market. Um, not only for contests but for um, publications where you can you can make money writing short stories. Um, now, of course, it's there are a lot of writers and um, not a lot of publications, but if you can break in, you can make bank. So that's one reason. Another reason is People prefer shorter stories. Now, the argument is going to be, no, they don't. Um, you know, they want long articles, they want this, they want that, they, you know. But if you look at some of the bestsellers outside of the Kings and the John Grishams, they're tightly packed, action-filled, a James Patterson book is probably 250 pages, maybe 300. Um, I'm trying to remember how long the President is Missing was. But it wasn't, it wasn't much longer than a typical James Patterson book. Um, unless it's something like a podcast where they're just listening and they don't feel like having to start a new episode every... Um, 15 minutes or so. What they want is... uh, They they want a a very seamless... Experience. But when they're reading, they want short and poppy. Uh, and, And that's why we're seeing more short story collections... Maybe the short story collections are five, six hundred pages, which I've actually not seen the anthology that long. Um, But, you know, maybe they're a little bit longer than your average book. But the stories inside are short, so people are blasting through them. As far as articles go, yes, the... Typically, an article that's about a thousand words or so will go viral before um, an article that's less than that or I would argue even longer than that depending on the subject. But and here's the big but it's always been that way. The typical National Enquirer article when I first started as a freelance writer was about 800 words. The typical Vanity Fair article is about 1,500 words, or was about 1,500 words. Um, National Enquirer has stayed about the same. 
Um, Vanity Fair has come down to uh, just about a thousand words, again, depending on the topic, because they cover such a broad spectrum. Sometimes they will allow for more words um, if it's needed, and if they think that it's going to be a big hit and um, bring a lot of views to their website or bring um, a lot of people to buy the magazine. And speaking of short, I probably should go and end this segment and come right back. And I'm back. And as with yesterday, Afton Williams, Afton Williamson, um, is closing out our show. Um, yesterday, of course, we would have the news that she had alleged a racial discrimination and sexual assault by um, the hair department on the set of The Rookie and sexual harassment from a recurring guest star. And quickly, very, very quickly, this went viral and um, E1 Studios announced that they were they had launched an independent investigation on the matter and all of this good stuff. Um, ABC Studios said that they take the workplace um, workplace safety very seriously, and they were working with E1 to make sure that this was thoroughly done and that the proper actions were taken. Um, and a lot of fans started bringing up, um, Alex Hawley's, um, past actions over on Castle. Now, a lot of people construed them as talking about Nathan Fillion, since the two work together over on Castle as well. Um, that doesn't seem to be... At least at the at this time, it doesn't seem to be um, anything to do with Nathan Fillion. But that doesn't mean it wasn't. Well, Afton took to Instagram again yesterday. And, uh, again, I'm going to let her say it in her own words. But she laid it out. Who did what, when, where... She laid out the whole story for the world. Here we go. In her own words. She said, To my fans, my friends, my supporters, I want to thank every single one of you. I am so beyond overwhelmed by the outpouring of love, kind words, scripture, strength-filled quotes, and devout support that has come my way. One Instagram post is just like those two fish and five loaves of bread. The rippling effect it has had in just a few hours shows how much this world is aching with victims of racism, discrimination, sexual harassment, sexual assault, sexual abuse, all of it. I am no stranger to all of the above, even before this experience. But it is through the experience of my platform that God pushed me to use my power within me. It just takes a voice. I never imagined so many of us have experienced these horrible circumstances, and that can no longer go unheard. 
We have a voice, all of us. It is our duty to use it. I used to fear the word victim. I scoffed at it because all I was told when these injustices happened to me was to survive. Survivor I am. Victim I am also. A victim of injustice. A victim of assault. A victim of abuse and harassment. If you experience any of the above, you are too and I stand... And I, for one, stand with you, and I'm no longer afraid to be vocal about it. We can stand together. Let's change the sickness that starts with us. This season on The Rookie, I was sexually harassed by fellow actor Demetrius Gross. I was racially bullied and discriminated against and sexually assaulted by hair department head Sally Nicole Signovich. Let's be the change we want to see. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, finding the the department head was no... Was was not very difficult, honestly. Um, the allegation is that Afton went to... Um, that Afton went to... Alex Howley and said hey you know this is what's happening um when she was in scenes with Demetrius um she asked not to work with him anymore because of what he was doing and um Alex said hey you know the script's already written can you just work with him this one last time for me Um, you know, whatever, whatever. And she, she agreed even though filming hadn't started yet on the episode. And the script could have easily been rewritten. So after the incident with um, with the hair department, makeup and hair, she that's when she found out that Alex Holly had not even started the investigation. He hadn't gone to HR. He hadn't done anything. As a matter of fact, he... <coughs> Kind of just blew it off. And was hoping that she would shut up about it. Um, those obviously were not her words. But in front of SAG-AFTRA. Uh, a couple other producers. And the studio. He admitted that yes she did actually turn this in to him. And he sat on it and did nothing. Um, Demetrius kept returning. And uh, even after he told Afton that she had been fired. So, first of all, and I just want to say this. I want to say this loud and clear. We stand with Me Too. I'm speaking for Will on this. um, But I I know he does. Here at Drunk Gossip, we really stand with the Me Too victims. 
Because sexual harassment and sexual assault victims need to be believed. Maybe there are a small number of women who are going to lie about it. But there are many, many more who do suffer it. And we hear every single day. And we need to stand up. We need to be better men. We need to be better women. And we need to stand up for these people. That being said, um, there's a reason why some victims are reluctant to come forward. They're afraid of losing their job. You know, and the there's always an argument, oh, and this really happens on the Crazy Days and Night Sports. Oh, I guess she's too good to go get a real job. Fuck you. Mm-mm. No. She doesn't have to go get a real job. Acting is a real job. And she should not be forced out of her profession, or he should not be forced out of his profession if it, if the victim happens to be a male. Because someone else wants to sexually assault or harass them. Guess what, motherfucker? The assaulters need to be pushed out. Period. That's the end of that story right there. No one should be forced out of their chosen profession because someone assaulted them. Ain't gonna happen. It should not happen. I'd rather. Alex Hawley, the buck stops with him. He needs to be fired. He knew the proper thing to do. And if he didn't, then why is he running a show? This is not his the first show he's run. It's not been the first show he's run within the last year. So if he doesn't know what the hell he's doing, we need to look at why he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Because that doesn't make any kind of sense. Um, Carrie Burke, ABC's president, and said, I'm frustrated. I don't have a lot of answers. I wish I had more. I heard at the end of June that there were allegations and an, invest- an investigation had been launched. We are waiting for answers. As soon as we learn, we will make a determination based on what we found. If, if ABC plays this like CBS did with Bull, what's basically going to happen is, well, people were still watching why would we take off a hit show because of these allegations? I think the big difference here between Bull and um, the rookie, not only longevity, Bull has been around for a little bit longer um, than the rookie has. But there, there's a slight difference ratings-wise. Um, Bull, Bull's average was like a 0.8, whereas the rookies is a 0.6, I believe. Um, of course, if we're looking at it in time slots, the rookie has improved the Tuesday night time slot for ABC, and delayed viewing and all that comes into play, which could be a factor, not only in the renewal, but um, or in, in the renewal, 
It also, along with original, um, it is a huge international seller. So I, I think, uh, what we're gonna see happen is probably Alex Holly replaced. Um, and we'll we'll probably hear Roseanne screech about how it's unfair that her show was canceled after her her Twitter meltdown about Valerie Jeanette. Um, but this, but the rookie didn't get canceled, despite having um, a sexual harassment allegation against it. Because you know Roseanne. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for me for today, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. And until next time, cheers.